Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in the lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a extended family in all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good evening, good evening. We're going to get to jumping right into it. This is Carl Ebern. Uh, again, this is Black Free Thinkers Radio. We just want to welcome everybody to the show. Um, of course, on the phone, we also have our, uh, my homie, Alfred's also in the house. How you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you just fine. And uh, we're about to jump into it. Uh, and just want to let everybody know the number. You want to give us a call because we definitely want to hear from you. That number is 310-982-4273. That's 982 982- Give us a call because we're going to get right into the show. Um, it's it's called Shutdown Blues, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, I, of course, you know that for the last, I guess, two weeks, um, I guess the government was out of business or closed for business or they took Oh, wow. Are you there, um, Alfred? Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm here. Carl dropped Okay. <laughs> All right. He'll call back, everybody. But, yeah, you know, the past couple of weeks, the government was pretty much shut down because, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats, you know, 
were having their issues, but the Republicans decided that if they couldn't have their way, they were going to take their ball and go home. And it was just interesting how everybody was affected by that. You had a bunch of government workers that were furloughed, um, and, you know, fortunately, they voted to make sure that those people received their paychecks. But people who were deemed as essential workers actually had to work through this shutdown. So, you know, I wonder if they're going to receive double pay. Do you think that would be fair? Yeah, uh, I've actually spoken to some of them. And from what I understand, they will be receiving back pay. It won't be any time soon, but they'll they'll be actually getting it because, they, you know, they can't say that, well, you know, we we didn't pay you during that period of time, so you're just not getting it. No, that that would be that would be illegal. But um, it, it is unfortunate that those people did have to do that. On the flip side, it does speak to their job security. If you they're asking you to come in and, and you know, work for basically nothing temporarily, then you can pretty much be guaranteed to have a job in the future, you know, with them. So uh, I guess that's the silver lining there. But it, it's... It's really unfortunate about how, you know, grown men and women cannot get together and compromise toward a common goal that the language has become so divisive that this is now a tactic to use. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a, a quote that my cousin, a few quotes from an article that my cousin posted a, a few days ago. And I, I'm going I'm to read some of them. Uh, hold on just a second. I have to switch this around on my phone. No worries. We've got Carl back online with us now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Matt, my phone had a shutdown of its own, ladies and gentlemen. My apologies. <laughs> All right. You all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, friend. Okay. It's just very interesting. All, all the Republicans that uh, that decided they didn't want to play, they they have quotes confirming this shutdown. And some of them range from, okay, lukewarm, this is not good, to completely callous. And I, when I mean callous, I mean callous, in the most in the most uh, macabre way possible. That they are so disconnected from reality because this does not affect them and their paycheck and their family. And, oh, here's a pretty good one. Uh, Representative Mo Brooks, America survived the last 17 government shutdowns, and that's all she really had to say about it. She had, you know, she could care less. She could not care less about anyone else and how this affected them as, as the, uh, you know, collateral damage. So it's really... It's really indicative to their mindset. They really don't care how this affects people. And right under him in this article, Paul Braun from uh, his home district is Athens, Georgia. The Democrats need to look in the mirror because they're the ones to blame. They're the ones that shut down the government. Wow. <laughs> that's uh, projection much? <laughs> yeah. That's that's nice. Uh, that's that's a nice shift they did there. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but just, I want to give some examples there. When I just say completely callous, that is completely callous and then outright lying. Even though they mm -hmm. were using this, uh, this big lie logical fallacy to continuously, continuously lie and pretend it is the truth to try and fool people. But now in this age of technology, people are seen through these lies. Uh, there's been some polls to kind of test this. I think Pew Research and uh, there's a few other ones I can't remember, 
that people actually know who shut down the government and why they did it and, you know, their reasons behind it. So them lying about this has not helped them in the least. But, uh, but yeah, that's just, I want to start off with that, just to get that fresh in people's minds as to how disconnected some of these folks are from reality. Oh, I mean, without question, it's a disconnect. It's it's beyond disconnect. It's, um, I like to call it the banality of evil. I mean, there's just you 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 have to wake up in the morning. You got to be a real cold kind of individual to get up and know that your actions are going to deprive somebody else of how they make a living, or how they eat, or where the next meal is going to come from, or how they get medical care. Um, you got to be a real cold person to know that your actions are going to do that and then go ahead and commit to that action. I mean, that's basically what happened here. I mean, there there were people who said, well, in order to get my point across, I will watch you starve to death. And um, that that's basically it. And, and me personally, I would like, you know, at least own up to it. At least own what you did. If you have the courage of your conviction saying that I was doing this to the American people or this was what the country needed or something like that, then own up to it. Say, we did that. I was behind this shutdown. Uh, don't blame it on anybody. I mean, why would you take Why would you take to that? Say, well, I don't want to do it, but that everything that you did leading up to the shutdown is clear that that was your goal, you know? At least own it. That's true, you know, but they're too busy playing the blame game. That's been happening, you know, for a while. And you have one group pointing at the other group and trying to flip the script, and that's what was happening. You know, the Republicans even changed um, one of the rules, whereas it used to be that any member of the House could elect to have a bill um, reintroduced Mm -hmm. or introduced. And they changed the policy. They changed that rule stating that only um, John Boehner was able to bring it, you know, to a vote. So it's interesting. They rigged it, and then they still pointed the finger and blamed the Democratic Party. You know, and uh, again, uh, you, why would you take actions like that when you – know that it could turn around and bite you in the ass later on. Let's just say, for instance, the Democrats were to get control again of the House. That stupid rule you put in place, let's just say a Republican does have a good idea that works in the best interest of the American people, that will never get across the table because it would have to pass through a Democratic speaker. And if they don't want it, then it won't happen, you know, even if your idea is something that is beneficial to the American public. Why would you make a rule like that? You know, that that doesn't even make sense. But this is what the, this is what we're playing with. I don't think we're. I think a lot of these folks are, and I think John Boehner has now come to realize it, and Mitch McConnell in the Senate has now come to realize it that the people that they brought in are not playing with a full deck of cards. They're a few bricks short of a project, to be fair and honest. But these are the people that they unleashed onto the American public. These are, these are the, I mean, the inmates are, are running the asylum, basically. This is what we've seen for the last two and a half weeks. Hello? 
Okay, sorry. Yeah. I'm speaking to work. Uh, are you referring to the the rule change that they did uh, during this, where only, uh, only yeah. the speaker and the speakers of Jutton, uh had to had control in order to overturn any any issue like this in the future? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My uh, one of my cousins actually, but female cousins, posted the actual. Uh, what was it? An actual. Uh, uh, what is a channel that actually shows the House of Representatives and the Senate and all that? I can't remember right now. What, C-SPAN? Uh, C-SPAN. Yeah, C-SPAN. She actually had a video of him. Uh, the adjutant. I can't remember his name right now either explaining to someone who had posed a question as to why they did that. And he had all kind of graphs and, you know, the name of, of the actual bill. And, you know, kind of flat out asked him, hey, why, why did y'all do this, you know, amidst of this shutdown? And my cousin had a hard time understanding because she kind of thought that's what was going on. So I had to explain it to her. It's like, okay, well, here's how I relate that. I, I, the first thing I asked her was, well, have you seen Star Wars Episode 3? <laughs> and for those who are Star Wars fans, you understand what I'm, what I'm referring to is when Judge Arbeek convinced all the other senators to give up their powers for Emperor Palpatine so he could be the only one to uh, overturn certain decisions. He would make the decisions and then he alone would have the power to change it, no one else. So that's really right. kind of what happened here. I wouldn't be surprised if they said, hey, that Palpatine was a good guy. Let me go ahead and, uh, you know, take a number out of his playbook. But that's yeah. a fairly I, decent I, analogy, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, again, these are these are decisions, and I, I said it before, the inmates are in control of the asylum. I mean, these are all decisions that are being made without any kind of, you know, long-term, without even looking towards the future. They're rash. They're inconsiderate. They're, they're frankly, they're immature. These are the actions of children. You know, you can't do it this way. Well, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And it's not something that works in the interest of the American people. This is not even about party politics anymore. This is not even about partisanship. This is this is some kind of weird, you know, play, uh, weird power play that's in effect that it doesn't, it will not bode well, not even for the Republican Party. Um, from all intents and purposes, right now, what if you read any story about him, even in even on Fox News, you can turn that on, and it sounds like that thing is in shambles. It sounds like that house is falling apart. But but yet they press on. <laughs> yet they press on with these um, with these actions. That's what's the scariest thing. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh like I said again, it's indicative of how they want to play this game. They're assuming the American public is just going to remain ill-informed and only reliant on one source of news that's supposedly fair and balanced. <laughs> but not everybody is falling for that anymore. It's not so. It's not as simple as well. Let's try and antagonize the, this group of people here, and we're going to win the vote. It, it's not because a lot of people don't. Don't, uh, they're not going to fall for, well, party lines anymore. Because in reality, very few people align themselves completely with some of these ideologies. I know I don't. Uh, the main reason I vote for Democrats is because a lot of Republicans rely on negative racial stereotypes in order to get votes. I'm not going to give someone my vote who has to rely on that. Point blank. 
I like some yeah. of the issues that, you know, Democrats bring up, and I like some of their positions, but not all of them, by far. So this, this game of tit and tat, it, it's really old, and it shows now that, well, if these folks can't compromise, if we put them in these positions, then maybe we need to reexamine how we're picking these folks. Maybe we not, maybe as a, as yeah. a collective, need to stop playing into this divisive rhetoric of, well, this guy does this, and I'm not going to do that, so vote for me. Not, hey, I'm going to actually work with this guy if this other guy gets elected, and we're going to go to a common goal and help everyone progress, because I've yet to hear anything close to that. What, What I think has happened with this shutdown, I think the age of the wedge issue is coming to an end. I do. I mean, when you look at how a lot of these individuals, Ted Cruz, your Michelle Bachman, your Sarah Palin, um, well, she's not a member of Congress or the government anymore, but for a lot of these uh, uh, right-wing power players, they've all come to power basically through the through wedge issues, you know. I think with this shutdown, people are willing to, you know, put a lot to the side. It's, it's kind of like how you said, listen, I may not be for gay marriage, but guess what, I'm for you know, a good education, or I'm good, uh, I may not be for uh, what kind of fiscal conservatism this guy's talking about, or I'm not religious, or I am religious, or whatever. Those things are, are I think the shutdown has shown you, look, these can't be brought to the fore, all right? Let's keep the country moving, and then maybe later we can have that discussion. But for right now, we've got to make sure that people have jobs, Folks have medical care. People have food. You know, I think this is really brought on the end, the, the end of all of those wedge issues. They're not going to come up anymore because no one's going to going to sit there and tolerate, you know, uh, uh, a jobs bill not going through because some guy wants transvaginal ultrasounds for women, single mothers who are about to have babies or who want an abortion. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I mean, a lot of their positions are kind of kooky and wacky. I'm pretty sure they feel the same way, you know, about anybody who votes Democrat. And they have that, they have their right to feel that way. That's fine. But at the end of the day, it really bothers me that people don't see that this game is being played and how it's being used against everyone else. It, 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 that's all it is mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, what's going to happen? You, you can't do anything. You've already put them up in that position. You can't pull them back down. You can't, you know, do a recall and say, well, hey, you allowed the, you intentionally allowed the government to shut down and halt a lot of people's lives and jobs and negatively impacted uh, thousands of people. So you know what? You're done. You know your opponent that you ran against he's the new guy or she's the new gal that's going to replace you. There's none of that. They have, there, mm-hmm. There's no fear as to what they, you know, they, they act with impunity. So yeah. maybe there and, will uh, be some type of, uh, you know, fear put in our hearts as far as respecting voters and respecting any voter. It's not the people that, you know, makes up your, your primary constituency, but everyone. Yeah, like I said, even the folks who did not vote for you. Because they still matter too, because they're still working Americans. Whether some people want to believe just because they didn't vote for this uh, particular candidate that you know they're just lazy and the only time that they actually do something is to 
they'll vote for some person that will give them more food stamps so they can uh, buy more iPhones or, or whatever the hell people want to believe now. It's just nonsense. So. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that is so played, bro. I, I mean, even after the, the financial collapse in 2008 and uh, 2009, um, I, I'm still shocked that there are people who still are pulling out that myth about you know, I see people on welfare walking around with iPhones as if iPhones nowadays are hard to acquire, regardless of the service. You can get iPhones at Metro PCS. They sell iPhones at Walmart. It's not that serious anymore. So to see a person with it, it's not a, an indicator of luxury as it once was. You know, oh, and, and, and it, you know, or just to know that. Or maybe they were just fine a couple of months ago, and then, you know, they had uh, some kind of financial situation or a loss of work because that's happened, in which they have to go on government assistance. It's so close-minded. And, and, you know, it's bad enough when one person, one ignorant individual thinks that of, of, of another individual who's on government assistance or something like that, who's relying on SNAP or TANF programs or whatever. It's bad enough when an individual thinks that, but when an elected official thinks that, you know, and then they shape their actions to that 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 ignorant way of thinking, you know, and they vote that way uh, or try to make laws in that way. That's when things become dangerous. That's where, I mean, and that's where we are. That's what the shutdown was. It's based on, it was based on fanaticism and hyperbole, you know. There was nothing concrete about what led to this shutdown. It's, you know, it's kind of like somebody was talking about, you know, Sauron from Lord of the Rings. If we don't shut it down, then, you know, the earth will open up and swallow babies. You know, it's like, how can this even be considered at any place reasonable dialogue anymore? And this is where we were. I, I'm certain I'm not the only per American citizen that was watching his TV and just at one point said, what in the hell is really going on? I think everybody across the board that wasn't a member, a political player, sat down and looked at their TV or listened to their radio or something and watched our government and said to themselves, what am I really looking at here? This is insanity. Yeah, it's... I, I, I'm not going to know what to say anymore because I don't think this is a... a I don't think this is the end of it. I, I have a feeling that this is just going to be a tactic now. We we can't get our way, so you know what? That we're going to take our ball and go home, but we're also going to take your ball too. We're going to try and be <laughs> yeah. as obstinate as possible. I'm like, how is obstinate? Obstinate is not part of your job. The senator has a is any any delegate any any type of person who represents another person professionally cannot have the word obstinate in their job description or even in their vocabulary. Your job is to right. negotiate, to compromise, to find a means to an end, not to try and win something by attrition. Because the yeah. second you start doing that, you have become the most callous and jaded person you could possibly imagine, and also very childish, to say the least. Yeah. So what what... What drives people to think like that? Personally, I think it's this idea that a lot of them have the, of uh, Christian dominionism. I think some of that plays into it. 
And, you know, some people may perceive that as me, you know, being a little anti-theistic, and, and they have that you know, full right to believe that. Me, personally, I don't find myself to be an anti-theist, but uh, some of the things that I perceive and that I've learned from from people who uh, cater to that sort of mindset, they don't care. They don't care if the nation burns as long as they believe that the, uh, their, their deity is going to fly out, fly out of the air magically and, and come and swoop them up into a magical land called Oz or Kevin or whatever. They don't care what happens to everyone else. That is always on their mind. You listen to some of the stuff some of these Republicans are saying, like Michelle Bachman, and that's what, and she's like one of the one of the best ones that promotes this idea. So, yeah. why support yeah. someone who believes something as crazy as that, but someone who's already demonstrated that they want this to happen? And for us who are logical yeah, thinking I, people, it, it's scary, you know. No, you you made an excellent point. I'm glad you touched on it because I'll, I I have the same idea. This was, I mean, this was really unsettling for me. This wasn't just partisan back and forth and bickering. That's the kind of stuff you expect from the the Mitch McDonalds and the John Boehners and 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 the Eric Cantors of of the Republican Party when they're going back and forth because they're political wonks. That's what they do. They're players. What we saw here in the last two and a half weeks, this was, in my mind, religious fanaticism. We, are, we were listening to people. You listen to Ted Cruz. You, you listen to Michelle Bachman. You listen to a lot of these, a lot of the Tea Party activists. They either had a jingoistic kind of view where America was this paragon, this beacon, or, or something that it was supposed to be this way, or you have in the case of Michelle Bachman you mentioned before, you know, where, where they think that the collapse of government, the collapse of society, they want that to happen because it's part of this end times prophecy that when dogs and cats live together and the seventh sign happens and the Mars aligns with Jupiter, the God will come back and rapture everybody up to, you know, Cream Puff Mountain. And, I mean... This is what she literally wants this to happen, you know? And this is what we were seeing. I mean, look at what happened. You saw the video. I know, I know you may have seen it too. The video of the stenographer when the oh, bill gets <laughs> We reopened government. We, okay, we everybody. You could see who the rational people in the room were, and you could see who the crazy people were. I mean, in the honor Ross Lightning, I mean, the most Republican of Republicans. She's a super Republican. And she was just standing there like, what the hell am I looking at? This lady is getting up and talking about the Illuminati taking over, and we have to stop this because God's will, and if we don't do this, Jesus will come back, and he'll cry because he might be baby Jesus, not grown, bearded, long hair, with rock hard abs Jesus. I mean, she was going crazy, and... You could, if you really looked at it, you could see three different parties in there. There were the Democrats, the Republicans, and this crazy fanatic sect of right-wing, you know, extremists. And you know, this is what we're dealing with now. I mean, I, and and if you look at the face of John Boehner, if you look at the face of Mitch McConnell right now, they are they're taking they they understand what they've done, you know. They, they went to the fringe of this party, 
Most of the, I mean, the Republican power players, they went to the fringes of their party. They went for the religious extremists. They went for the, the nationalists. They went for the racists. They went for all of those people, you know, the misogynists of their party. They went to all those fringe groups and brought them into the mainstream. And here's what you get. This is what you get. You know, say what you will about the Democrats, but they never went to the, you know, the guys that like to bomb, you know, animal testing facilities. They didn't go to those guys and say, you should run for office. I mean, they've got their problems, but at least they didn't cater to the crazy friends, you know, of their party. You know what I'm saying? The Unabomber guys who think technology shouldn't be happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's crazy, but I kind of... What I thought was going to happen the first time I started really seeing, like, the, uh, the folks from the Tea Party, once they became an actual viable movement, I knew something was going to happen because you kind of saw the way that they were not necessarily catering to the people of the, of the crazy variety, but they, didn't, they, they enjoyed having them around because they served a purpose. Mm-hmm. They drew in all the... the uh, <laughs> All the, the troglodytes, they, all the reprobates, all the racists, all the, you know, anti-Semitics, all the people that, you know, society would normally frown upon, they drew them in. So the, uh, they're starting to fracture. They're definitely starting to fracture, and you're going to see the party split. And once, once they split, you're going to have people who are more moderate Republican split from the extremists. Mm-hmm. And it's sad to say that, but, you know, I'm kind of happy because hopefully the people hopefully the people that are more moderate and are more concerned about fiscal responsibility, uh, about government waste, about that sort of thing, rise as a cream of crops because those are the folks that need to counterbalance Democrats when they are, you know, making these bills and say, okay, Let's be adults. Let's introduce a bill. Okay, Democrats, you want to provide this social service? Well, you know what? Here's what we want. We want this particular um, this particular part of government kind of uh, reduced a bit. You know, we don't want, you know, just to, to get it all the way eliminated and terminated, but we feel that this particular part is too big. Maybe you should, you know, make it more efficient. So, okay, well, yeah. Democrats say, all right, let's do that. Let's talk about it. Bam. That's how we get not necessarily a smaller government, but a more efficient one, a more leaner government, and Democrats get mm-hmm. what they want and providing a service. That is how you come to a consensus. That is how you coalesce, not this tip the yeah. game. You get what we want. We get, we get what we want, then screw you, and that back and forth, because that's not going to help anyone. But... It's, not it's, you're not going to get there for people who are catering to this nihilistic mindset that the world's going to end and I'm going to help it. But if anybody yeah. who is a, a Christian and or whatever religious or yeah primarily Christian and you feel as though you're not understanding what I'm talking about right now, just imagine if we had a Senate full of Scientologists. Just let that roll around your head for a minute. I'm going to I'll give it back over. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that's it right there. Just imagine if you were a, a, a Senate full of Tom Cruise. You know? <laughs> it sounds oh, good. Oh, that's crazy. Oh,
you know, that's all. That jumping, there's a whole bunch of senators jumping on couches, man. Are you really ready for that? Because that's what we look like to, I mean, that's what our government looks like, or at least looks like to me. And I'm like this. I Again, I've got no problem with religion. I don't believe in it. I'm not big on it. I'm not, I have no problem. But at the same time, I have no issue with it. When I do take issue is when, you know, you're literally trying to make things happen to end the world, you know? Like I said, you, you repeated the quote from Michelle Bachman, or you, you repeated, you, you brought up her behavior. And, yeah, when you start talking like that, it's one thing to say, well, I believe in a higher power and I'm religious and yada, yada, yada. That's all right. But then when you start trying to do things, then you have to give up. You have to sit down and let the grown folks start talking. You know, when you start you start saying things like that, you cannot be allowed to sit at the big people's table. And that's basically what it is. And it's funny, when you look at a lot of a lot of other countries, a lot of other civilized nations, the the concept of right and left, right wing and left wing, are are in my mind completely different. And then they're more along the lines of what you just described, Alfred, where it's like, well, we're, we want to make sure that we provide everybody with a social service. And then the, the right wing will be like, yeah, sure, we're cool with that, but we want to make sure it's done in a more efficient manner, a leaner manner, to, 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 to minimize um, waste in government, which is all right, too. That makes sense. In a lot of countries, you see it with Canada, you see it with England, you see it with Norway, Sweden, whatever. A lot of times, the right wing parties in those countries sound more like the Democratic Party than our own Democratic Party. Like, yeah, sure, but we just want to make sure the government runs smoothly, you know? But we also want to make sure that no one's sitting in having to go to the emergency room because they can't afford, you know, uh, to go see a doctor or they don't have insurance. And, I mean, if everyone else can do it, why are we the ones, you know, running off the rails? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah, it's. I, I was talking to um, people from, what was it, New Zealand, Ireland. I want to say, yeah, Ireland and New Zealand was actually yesterday. And all of them asked me the same question, you know, what the fuck is wrong with your country? <laughs> after, you know, after we kind of have a, a collective laugh, it's like, you know, I really don't know. I kind of know, but... At the same time, I, I wondered that to myself, and I had to tell him, you know, maybe this is just a learning phase. Maybe this is where people see just how crazy some people's ideology can become and have it as a, a learning tool, a lesson for future generations on what not to do and who to actually mm-hmm. trust when they're up there on that platform. So uh, I, I just say maybe this is a... a lesson in trial and error, and hopefully we learn from this nonsense, but if, if something like this can be avoided in the future, I sure hope so. But a, a, a quick uh, FYI, I'm about to enter the uh, the desert, so I, might lose con- I will lose connection. Mm-hmm. I think that may just have happened. You there with us, Karen? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah, Hold us by the time before they got them, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and Al makes a good point, and um, I think, if I, have to, if I have to say, I think that 
come the 2014 um, election cycle, I, I do believe we're going to see a lot mm-hmm. less, for lack of a better term, we're going to see a lot less bullshit. Um, exactly. And there's going to be a lot less. Um, there's going to be a lot less because I think this 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 event has made Americans uh, a little bit more politically savvy. I mean, I think that I think that no matter the party, whoever's going to walk up to that podium, they're not coming with. They're not. No one's going to buy the bullshit anymore. I, I hope that's exactly. what the end result here is. I, I think that folks are going to look at everything that's going on. They're going to look at the situation as it is, and they're going to say, hey, man, what what can you absolutely provide for us? And Exactly. Be, and I we also need to look at these gerrymandered districts, too, because some of these people, yeah. their seats are almost guaranteed. So we're going to have to find a way yeah. to, you know, talk to people and show them how to petition to basically, you know, have those districts redrawn because otherwise we're still going to yeah. end up dealing with some crap. You know, maybe not as much, but yeah. still, if you have people that understand the rules of the House and the Senate, they can filibuster to their heart's content like Ted Cruz has proven. Man, and that that's one thing I hope long and hard that, that they'll finally get rid of. Um, the age yeah. of the filibuster has run its course. Um, I don't yeah. think we need it. I don't think it's necessary anymore. Um uh, it's it's political theatrics. It's not needed. Listen, make your point and, and move on. Let these people make a vote. Um, it's it's not necessary. And, and, and in its own way, I think, it holds the government hostage. I don't like it for either party when they do it. You know, exactly. in, in, as far as I'm concerned, that the only time a filibuster has ever worked was in the movie that pretty much popularized it, and that's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Outside of that, I've never seen a filibuster where, you know, people's minds weren't already made up, you know. Exactly. So I, I'd like to see the end of that where people pretty much bring the government to a standstill for their ideology, be it um, be it liberal, be it Republican, um, conservative, Republican, or Democrat. It's not needed. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. And, again, I think, I think the American public is taking all of this stuff into account. I think there we, we we're, you know we're not all going to be you know sitting on crossfire and being able to to debate politics, but I do think that this event has left us with a smarter with a with a little bit smarter um, American public, or or at least an American public that will go into the voting um, cycle with an idea of what they want. Here's what we want. Here's what we don't want. And I'm pretty certain top of the list is if you do this shutdown nonsense again, you will be out of a job. And um that's that's my that's my most fervent hope. I think that's what the to 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 put the folks that are working for us on their toes and to get the folks that weren't working for us out of the room. Yeah, I'm here. Um, the phone dropped. My call had dropped. So, but um, you know, I heard what you had said before it dropped my call. But you know, you know, again, we have to look at it all, and that's the reason why you know I've been stressing that we need to look at these midterm elections and get out here and get registered to vote. I mean, it's 2014 when the election comes up, 
but because a lot of the rules that have changed in different states, whereas you had to provide all of this, you know, documentation that you didn't need in the past, people have plenty of time right. to get that situated. And as a matter of fact, I got my voter registration card in the mail today and looked at everything yeah. over. All of my information is correct. So that's why we're encouraging people to get out here and, you know, maybe work with some people to do, um, you know, um, voter registration drives. You know, I'm sure your local NAACP and, you know, other institutions and organizations in your area, they're doing voter drives. You know, get the people out there. Get them motivated because with the last election in 2012 of Barack Obama, they had anticipated, you know, very much so that blacks and people of color would not stand in long lines, which is why they had the long lines and changed some of the um, ways in which people can vote. You know, in some places they cut out Saturday voting, they cut out the late night voting, hoping that people would not and could not take time off from their job to go and vote. But they proved them wrong. They stood in those lines and they waited and, you know, they reelected sure. Barack Obama. Uh, yeah, they did that here. They did that um, here, the late night, uh, trying to shut down the late voting. They tried to do the long lines and intimidate uh, the people who were voting. And, you know, they didn't do it in the old school way with the dogs and the fire hoses, but still um, they did it, mm-hmm. and especially very, um, you know, high concentration of African Americans or Latinos or immigrants. They did it in, in, in more subtle manners, you know, towing people's cars, messing with the parking, all kinds of stuff, you know, really odd hours for the places to stay open. It's uh-huh. And, you know, again, I what I hope also, and like I said, this is what I'm hoping, that we're being left with a smarter American voting public, is that people understand how important these midterm elections are going to be. I think they're going to set a precedent for the next couple of years actually, mm-hmm. you know, not just for, you know, not just for a presidential election. I hope that folks will understand that this midterm election, I think a lot of people stayed out there late and 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 waited for the vote and all of those things because it was Barack Obama's um, chair on the line, like they often do, like they did in the 2010 elections and stuff. You know, they, it didn't, they didn't come out in droves for that, the midterms. You know, right. because it wasn't President Obama's job that was in danger. You know, and exactly. that that's a, that's that's not a good way to think about it. That's not a good way to look at the situation. I mean, if if you get another situation again where it's an entire House and Senate full of Republicans, it doesn't matter if President Obama is sitting there. You know, you know if they get exactly. the majority in both the House and the Senate, it doesn't matter that he's sitting there. I mean, because he'll be ineffectual. He needs a con- he needs a, a Congress, you know, both the House and Senate. Not necessarily that it has to be a Democratic majority, or, or, mm-hmm. but it does have to be a majority of rational-minded, you know, politicians that are working for the will of the people. Um, if exactly. you don't do that, then you, you're left, you know, you're left at the whim of a Ted Cruz. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. left at the whim of a of a Michelle Bachman and so on and what have you, and a Rand Paul, you know, a, a, a not doctor. You know, you're, this is who you're left with. And I hope they understand the impact of these midterms. You know, the book doesn't start, you know, it stops at President Obama's desk, but it doesn't start there. 
So I really, like I said, I hope this is, you know, I hope this is this shutdown. You know, we can't we can't do a twenty four billion dollar um thing every other day. You know, this is not this is not how government works. You know, that's this true. And you know, part stuff. of that is educating people because there are some people out there that believe that President Obama can just write, make all these laws and just sign it in and go away. They don't understand that it's the legislative branch of government that makes the law. They make laws. Yeah. He signs them. He's the executive branch. I mean, you know, he yeah. he can he can make executive orders, but, you know, that's not something that should be abused. And, you know, there exactly. are even stipulations with that as well. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, especially with the folks who love walking around, like, I support my president. Really? Well, that's well and good, but, you know, make sure you support your senator, your representative, you know, your congressperson, your alderman, your councilman, your mayors, and your governors. I mean, if you don't support those people, it doesn't matter how much you support the president. Right, because people, a lot of people don't realize that the local politics affects them more than the federal politics, and they need to understand what happens with the aldermen, the commissioners, the mayor, your governor. You know, you need to pay attention to what's happening, and those are elections that are extremely important that you vote in mm-hmm. as well. It, it all works in conjunction yeah. with others, others, and people need, it's like a domino, and you have to pay attention to what's happening. But, you know, a lot of that is about educating, and, and there are a lot of, you know, misguided people out here that still as though their vote doesn't count. And you have people out here convincing them that their vote doesn't count. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it, it's – I try not to listen to those people because it's, it's – whenever you hear somebody uh, will love to go on about how their vote doesn't count, for some odd reason, they still want to, you know, they still want to control the conversation about politics. You'll listen to a lot of those, well, you know, my vote doesn't count. But it's all a setup anyway because of the Bilderberg group and the Illuminati and yada, yada, yada. Oh, so and at the oh. end of those, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm like this, at the end of all of that, what are you doing to change it? Let's just say, for instance, that is true. Are you telling us because you accept that we will be servile and nothing can change? Or are you telling us because you expect to do something to change it? And if so, what do you plan on doing? And exactly. If not, then don't get into the conversation. I, I'm, I, I, it bothers me that, you know, not just those folks are being listened to, but now they're the ones going into government. If somebody's yeah. saying the government doesn't work, yeah, like if you're saying the government doesn't work, why are you running for office? Exactly. Exactly. But it's like they feel like they have some type of magic pill, you know, or some, you know, bean stalks or what have you, and that they'll be able to go in and make some type of change, and everybody is going to listen to them because they're Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful, if you will, and, you know, they're smarter than everybody else. And that's not how it works. You know, one person cannot go in there and just change all the laws and change all the rules. I mean, that's not how it works at all. And it's just interesting what you know what you know what happened when you were just talking about the Illuminati and the NWO and all of that. What's interesting is the woman that was carried out, the stenographer, 
um, you know, yeah. what she was talking about was right there in line with that, when, especially when she started harping on Freemasonry. And they had her evaluated that night, and, you know, she gave some type of explanation saying that for two weeks before um, that incident, that the Holy Spirit had been waking her up in the middle of the night, and her husband, you know, um, basically backed up what she said. And I just found the whole thing, you know, interesting. Religion, and, you know, she boxed it in such a way that it was religious, but that is the only time in which you can say you're hearing voices and not get locked up, you know? Yeah. And I mean, go ahead. I mean, what, what, what are we going to lock her up for? I mean, when you think about it, uh, yeah, she's crazy. I, I'm, right. I'm just going to say it like that. Or, well, to be, to be more correct, politically correct, and, and more understanding of it, she may very well be mentally ill. I mean, right. clearly delusional, and 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 to be fair and honest, I mean, how can we penalize her more, you know, than right. say, for instance, a Louis Gohmert or or a Steve King, or, right. or you know, or Michelle Bachman? They, I mean, they've clearly said things that are way crazier, you know. They've said things that are, quite frankly bereft of any kind of reason or logic. So, um, But, again, we've invited those people to the table. You know, the American public has allowed those people to come to the table. So her outburst doesn't even sound crazy because now, I mean, again, there was a time when no one was listening to Alex Jones, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But now... People are listening to this guy as if he has some information that we don't have. I mean, clearly, when you're looking at this shutdown, when you're looking at these, the, the behavior of the, the members of the right wing, uh, clearly these guys are now dominating the conversation. And it started, it started nice and moderately, too. I mean... Speaking conservatively, you know, you talk. It started off real simple. Nobody really saw it coming, but progressively, it just got worse. You know, first right. it was Bill O'Reilly, and you know, he was a blowhard, and he's a little bit of a bloviator. He talks a little bit too. He talks too much, but at the end of the day, even he knows he's full of shit. And then it moved up to your Sean Hannity's, a little bit more. Uh, 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 he's a little bit more of a firebrand. He's a little. He's far more conservative. He's more. He's more right wing and right leaning. And then from Hannity, it goes to Glenn Beck, and Glenn Beck is now giving in to right wing conspiracy theories. You know the, uh-huh. about certain things. And then from Glenn Beck, you're going into now people, like I said, it just kept progressing and everybody kind of shrugged. But now this is who's dominating the conversation. This is, you know, uh, uh, where we're, this is where we're at now. You know, um, I hope folks are taking that into account. I hope they're looking at it and going, all right, man, we, we really need to sit down and really understand who we're voting into office. Because now we're voting into conspiracy theorists. You know, it's one thing to disagree with the, the president's politics. That's okay. That's how government works. 
you are supposed to have a point, counterpoint, have a rational disagreement or something like that. That's how government works. That's fine. You don't have to agree with everything. I don't agree with everything President Obama does. Exactly. You can sit down and criticize certain things. But it's another thing altogether to think that he's a socio-fascist, communist, Kenyan, Islamic <laughs> terrorist. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's one thing to disagree with his health care program. It's one thing to disagree with him on jobs. It's one thing to disagree with him on, 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 on Afghanistan and Iraq or his re- reaction to Benghazi. All of those things are legitimate arguments that you can have with the President of the United States. No one will judge you for that. You'll either be wrong or you'll be right or you'll be right and people will decide to side with him anyway. It doesn't matter. But when you start saying that he's a part of some kind of weird conspiracy to make kindergartners gay married and cousins can impregnate their dogs, then you really got to stop and ask yourself, when exactly did you run off the rails? Right. You know, right. this is where we are. I mean, this is who's leading the discussion. I mean, again, you cannot like the president. But like say two years, I mean, back in what was it 2010 uh, or 20 when he's given the State of the Union and a guy goes, "You lied." I mean, come on, really? Yeah, yeah. That's not even that's not even that's not respect for him as a person, but it's also a disrespect of the office and it's a disrespect right. of your office. That's right, and your peers. And your peers. I mean, to to to, to do so, but this is what's. This is what has come to the fore. This is what's leading the Republican Party. This is what's leading the right wing of this country now. Um, I, I sincerely hope it's not the shape of things to come, but this is what it is, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very slippery slope. You know, uh, if we don't, I hopefully folks get in front of this, but it's, it's a dangerous thing that we're seeing unfold. Right. Yeah, you're right. And you know, we're on a very slippery slope if we allow people like that to, you know, um, come to power and stay in power and make laws, change laws, because they're trying to turn this country into a theocracy. And we have to be against that because, I mean, you know, look at who's up here talking. You know, Michelle Bachman, Sarah Palin, you know, um, you know David Duke, because, you know, he's part of that little fringe as well. Do you really want these people making laws in this country? And, you know, the yeah. whole thing about it is, you know, many of them really believe what they're saying. As a matter of fact, what I found interesting was that Tea Party rally that took place last yeah. weekend, I believe it was last weekend, and just some of the things that they were saying, and I just said to you know, when I posted it on my wall, I'm like, this is sedition and treason. And these people are not mm-hmm. to be charged as such. And it's just interesting. Yeah. You know, they were trying to have a rally with people, you know, carrying their weapons, fully automatic weapons, in front of the White House. And then now you during this, you know, rally they had last weekend, they were telling, you know, President Obama to, you know, virtually come out with his hands up. Get off his knees, stop praying to the east or whatever, and, you know, come out, and they wanted to yeah, run him out. Yeah, and oh, the whole thing was just absolutely ridiculous. 
breath. Right. Now, and, and, and here's the thing. There's this, in this level of tone deafness. If there was a, even a shred of and, and and it's one of those things where I have this on and off love and hate relationship with John McCain in that when he was running for office and he had started to see that the fringe elements of the Republican Party, or at least the right wing, were coming to the fore, he jumped in front of it. He was like, listen, I... You know when he when they when that elderly woman got up and started calling the president a terrorist and he's a Muslim yeah. and all that stuff, you know John McCain jumped in front of him and said, "Look, man, no." He had to be dignified and say, "Look, no." Now fast forward to last week. Okay, you're mad that and again talk about the wrong thing. But okay, let's say stay for the sake of argument. People are upset that they are not allowed to visit national monuments and recreational um, uh, parks and things like that. Fine. Um, let's say they want to march on the White House. Fine, you can do that. All of those things are legal. But there's a level of tone deafness because in that crowd was here, Sarah Palin, and in that crowd was Michelle Bachman, in that crowd was Ted Cruz, and you got people walking up to the where the black president resides and they're waving Confederate flags. What is the exact yep. message you're trying to push here? I mean, you can't say, exactly. that, hey, I wasn't there and I didn't see it. You saw it. Get in front of it. At least mm-hmm. say, listen, listen, that's not why we're against this guy. We're against this guy because of his policies. We don't think that uh, we don't think the Affordable Care Act is the best act for uh, Americans to receive better health care or whatever. Get in front of that. But to allow people to walk up and, First of all, deface national parks because they stole the gates. Exactly. I mean, what that is about is is beyond me. But then you're going to go and wave a Confederate flag in front of a black man. It's like, okay, really? Seriously? Are you serious? You know, again, they were in that crowd. They could have controlled that, but then they don't do that. And then again, the priorities are screwed. And, And I understand the desire and the need to commemorate the service of our American uh, military men and women. That's not the issue here. But to to prioritize that over, you know, people eating, you know, I mean, if you really want to get upset and be pissed off about the, the treatment of the military, well, you got to ask yourself, why is it that military um, military families have spent $88 million in military commissaries um, in 2011, 2000. I think they're up to $100 million now in 2013. Right. That's the military right. families on SNAP and TANF spending money in their commissaries. Um, why aren't you upset that it's jumped up to that from $33 million in 2008? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, exactly. you, but you want to get pissed off about World War II memorials not being open? Come on, that's that's just dumb. Exactly, and the interesting thing about the commissaries is that they provide jobs to military wives and husbands, you know, civilians, you know, and even some military people. Yeah. And, you know, so, again. Yeah, um, I had, there was a couple of friends, because I have, you know, um, I have family members that are in the military. I have friends that work on military bases and things like that. They were saying, okay, the shutdown didn't do this for the military, but guess what? 
the civilians that work in the commissaries or work in these locations because these are technically government jobs have to go home. You know? Yeah. So they yeah. they were parts of the furlough. I mean so the, this is this was not a victimless act. This wasn't a victimless exactly. act. This wasn't just these were not abstracts. These were real people who were threatened with not being able to work or not mm-hmm. being able, uh, their children not being able to eat, Head Start programs shutting down or something like that. This was real. This happened to hardworking. They're not freeloaders or welfare queens or whatever have you. These were real people who walk, walked into work and then were told to go home. Right. And their kids right. were told that you can't go to school today or you can't be a part of this thing or that thing. These are real tangible things. And, you know, exactly. to to have righteous indignation about not being able to go to a park but have a, a total callous disregard for not being able to go to school or not being able to eat, um, it's insensitivity beyond the pale. I, I really... Uh, you know, I, I I don't have words for what I saw. Exactly. What we've all been witnessing. You know, I don't really have the words for that. Exactly. But, you know, again, it was, you know, basically a bunch of smoke and mirrors because they were trying to pander to, you know, our more seasoned voters because those are the voters that really get out there to vote, you know, you know our elderly, our older people in, in the community. And they were pandering to that, but at the same time trying to slash and cut Social Security and privatize it. You understand? And, and, and cut food stamps in which many of these older people rely on food stamps, you know, to make mm-hmm. it. Because, you know, especially the ones that did not, you know, happen to be fortunate enough to retire with a pension. You know, if all they are getting are, you know, their Social Security benefits, that's not a lot of money. You know? No, it's not. It's That's nowhere like, near enough. Exactly. But, you know, again, it's it's all who's it's all about the narrative. It's all who's telling the story. Um, mm. and, you know, except for uh, what I would really like, and again, I know, I think rightfully so, we're going in on the Republican Party, we're going in on the right wing and conservatives. But honestly, I would really have appreciated it if you know Bernie Sanders. You know, and 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 Elizabeth Warren and you know uh, Alan Grayson weren't the only like voices in the wilderness just calling the things as they saw them. You know, right? But I mean, the Democrats should have been way more vocal, and not not a back and forth with the um, not a back and forth with the right wing or the Republicans in the House or the Senate. Take it to the streets, man. Let these people know that should have been town hall meetings from from here to from here to Alaska uh, of democratic right. uh, of Democrats reaching out to their constituents and and letting them know this is what a TI is, man. This is what's really going on, you know. Right. And they, they there should have been and and again a legitimate criticism. There should have been a more uh, a, a more concentrated effort to make sure that everybody understood exactly what they were getting with the Affordable Health Care Act. Because this way, when Ted Cruz gets up and he wants to start filibustering for the $9 billion, or the 47th time they tried to, 
to have a symbolic vote or try to shut it down if the American public was more aware of it and and had a more a more efficient rollout of the program, no way on earth would this have happened. Well, exactly. The, I mean, so so yeah, they do share a little bit of the burden. I mean, I I know you saw the uh, the Daily Show. Uh, where down where John Stewart was talking with Catherine Sebelius, I mean I mean Catherine Sebelius and uh, of the uh, you know health and human uh, health and human services. Right. It was, it was he he had legitimate questions and she couldn't answer him. You know he had questions about the individual mandate, like why are individuals mandated to purchase insurance, whereas corporations could delay for a year. And not uh, 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 take that on based on their lobby ability to lobby. These are legitimate questions. And Oh yeah, no, you're right. And what's interesting is the Republicans took that same narrative and were trying to justify mm-hmm. this shutdown with that same reason, saying that individuals mm-hmm. should be given the same year, you know, flex time that the corporations have been given. Yeah, and they could have been an explanation if they got out in front of it. If they and so so a lot of it again. Yeah, the Republicans are wrong for what they did, but here's what happened: if you stood idly by and allowed them to do it, you're as much to blame. I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to play false equivalencies and like you know people like doing that without having to. Folks like to do that and play the false equivalency game so they don't have to. To, to say outright, you know, this person was dead wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. there is no, I'm not going to do the false equivalency. Yes, the, the Republicans were wrong, but in, at, at, at the same time, the Democrats could have made a more principled stand, you know, exactly. and, and made a more and made a more concentrated effort with the rollout of, 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 of Obamacare so that these guys wouldn't have a leg to stand on. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, mean, that the Democrats have allowed the Republicans to control the narrative ever since President Obama was elected the first time in 2008, and they (laughs) did not, you know, you stated earlier, did not put forth a concentrated effort to get in front of this problem. Instead, they allowed the Republicans to control the narrative which is why they were talking about death panels. They were talking about the prices were going to go up and that the rich and, you know, working class people were going to have to pay for all those dependent people, i.e. people of color. And, you know, again, all, you know, a lot of false equivalencies, and you're absolutely correct. And the Democratic Party should have, you know, um, used their, you know, bully pulpit because, you know, President Obama had a chance to speak about it on numerous occasions and he let those flip by, mm-hmm. they have strategists. Why weren't they utilizing the people they have on payroll more effectively? There should have been town halls in, you know, every state, you know, at least two cities in every state to kind of get the word out. There should have been, you know, little campaigns. You know, they made great use of the Internet, you know, when they were running for these offices. So why didn't the Democratic yeah, Party but... blitzes and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, this had this had time to ferment. It would be one thing if this happened a couple of days ago, but this has had time to ferment. This was pretty much 
this is this this is President Obama's signature legislation. This is the, his signature move, health care, and it had time ever since he was voted into office. And this is again the Democratic Party should have been beating the ground hard because this is this is something that the Republicans did from day one. You come right. up with with the Affordable Health Care Act, they will come in with death panels. You come up with mm-hmm. this, they will come in with they're coming to take your freedom or they they, they, they rode this paranoia so that this was four years in the making, man. And and again the Democratic Party just just did not take any, you know, incentive to stand up and mm-hmm. say, Listen, you know, we're not gonna let you talk this way or or we're not gonna let you control the narrative. They should have exactly. went for time. and this they should have stood their ground in, in in regards to this. This is something that they could have stood their ground in. And I think we could have gotten a better because in my opinion and you know, again it's good that people will now have access to health care, but mm-hmm. quite frankly they're just getting a national version of the crappiest possible, the cheapest possible insurance somebody can get. You know, so right. it's not the best insurance. Yeah, we're all going to have insurance, but it's the crappiest one with a high deductible, depending on who you are and where you are and everything like that. So, yeah, you know, I'm here or there. Me, personally, I was universal or single payer all the way. They should have right. never waited right. on that. That should, that should not have been the negotiating thing. They had the bully puppet. That's something that I, I you know, that that was something I think if they made the argument, mm-hmm. if they made the argument, and if they went at the public, regardless of the public, like, yes, they could have went to their Democratic bases and everything like that, but they also could have gone straight to the public and say, listen, government health care, universal, across the board, whatever it is, you pay your tax, you have medical care. Um, I can't, you could have been the most virulent, racist, uh, mm-hmm. a, a conservative Republican in the world, and I don't think that anybody would have said nope, you know, or or something where the the insurance companies were answerable to the government in some way or another. Um, I don't think anybody would, but they didn't. So while it's not exactly. false equivalency, yes. So while yeah, while it's not false, it's not an issue of false equivalency. Yes, the, the 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 Democrats do have to take responsibility uh, for for just not making the most of having control. First of all, having control of both the House and Senate for some time, exactly. and then not and the president for not using the bully pulpit and not making a stronger argument for um thing for 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 That's single payer or universal health care. Exactly, that single single payer when they took that off the table. That just pretty much blew everything away, and they the excuse that was given, you know, a little bit later was that they can always add that in later. Now, you know, if they've been fighting, you know, against the Affordable Care Act this hard, and they're still trying to repeal it, can you imagine what that fight is going to be to add a single-payer option to this bill? Yeah, and 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 not only that. Uh, for me, like for all the fuss that you had to endure for this watered down, weak insurance um insurance bill or insurance law, you might as well uh-huh. have pushed for single pay. Exactly. Because they were going to make this fuss either way. But 
exactly. with, with single para or, or universal health care, at the very least, the United States citizens would be getting the best health care possible so they could have bitched and moaned till the cows came home. Exactly. But now, but now people, they again, Republicans have, and, and the American people who, that are trying to get insurance or get put on these programs do have a legitimate argument that they can make. They do have a leg to stand on. If they had straight-up single-payer health care, you know, where everyone has access to the best possible kind of insurance, it doesn't matter what they would have said. They could have still made those fights, but no one would have their back. Here, right. they, can, they, can, they can massage the issue and bend it and twist it in any, in, in any way they can, which is why we got a government shutdown. But if they right. had done it with a more progressive mindset, I think the people would have supported it. Now, it's just, you know, if they're going to make so, so much a fuss over something, you might as well go all the way. You know, remember, I remember somebody saying, you know, I might as well do, but if you're going to make this much fuss, I should have did the thing you, you're upset about. You know, I should have just yeah. went ahead and did it. You know, so, yeah, like I said, they do have to answer for a lot of that, too, and, and, and not being as vocal as they possibly could because the, the Republican Party, the right wing, they don't have a, any short of, of people that are vociferous, driven people. Clearly, they don't. Um, unfortunately, um, on the, the Democratic side, uh, I think if there were more, again, more Bernie Sanders and more Elizabeth Warrens, I don't think we ever would have been here, honestly. Right. Um, exactly. Whether it was her or Hillary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been harder. I, I think it would have been harder uh or it will be harder, I guess. You know, I, she seems like the inevitable choice in 2016. But, um, yeah, I think she would have put up more of a fight, too, because I think she's got a serious axe to grind. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah, so, and, yeah. You know, well, no, I, I mean... Alfred is back, was, I mean, um, Alfred is back with us. Are you there, Alfred? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I had to go through the bad part of the desert where uh, nothing lives, so <laughs> I'm, I'm back now. But um, ah, I, it was there was something I, I wanted to bring up, too. And, of course, as soon as I get back on the line, I can't remember what it is. But, uh, I, dear, do you remember what it was? don't remember my wife looking at me like, okay, never mind. Uh, it, it's pretty much our, our, we're on the topic of... Um, of how individual players uh, on the affordable health care, affordable health care, a.k.a. Obamacare, a.k.a. Romney care, speaking of which, <laughs> as to how it's being portrayed and how people um, how people are perceiving it, uh, uh, more or less. Uh, I, I think that's what y'all were getting at. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it was it mentioned that there was uh, someone who went around, I think it was, might have been New York or somewhere in New Hampshire, where <laughs> this guy was interviewing random people on the street and asking them, you know, what, what would you prefer um, as far as your health care? Would you prefer oh. the Affordable Health Care Act or would you prefer Obamacare? And, of course, people look at him, yeah. oh, of course, the Affordable Health Care I can't stand Obamacare. And again and again and again and again, 
all people knew was that Obama, you know, the the classic, um, you know, right wing saying. Uh, they had no clue that they were one and the same. They were that ill-informed or misinformed to which shows yet again that these folks are not after anything for the people. They're after to do as less work as possible, really. And ironically, they talk about how other people are lazy. If they were so opposed to Obamacare, why have they not offered anything substantial to replace it? Their only other option was, well, you know, oh, we have millions of people uninsured. Well, you know, fuck them. Too bad. That's it. All this time that they spent. I I, I don't know what to say. (laughs) No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, even Mitt Romney said it during the election during the election cycle last year. He was like, "Yeah, you go to the emergency room." but that's why everybody's insurance is so high. You know, they can't pay for it, so they have to go to the emergency room. And then the emergency room then turns it over to the people who can pay, and then that gets driven through the roof. But, again, there was, there's never been a counter, a better counter to what was offered, you know. I don't mind you not liking Obamacare. That's that's okay. That's an American. That's your right. You cannot like it, but at least offer something, you know, in contrast to it. And say, well, here, all those loopholes that we're talking about, well, we're offering it to you without the individual mandate or whatever, whatever. That's what we're offering, and that's it has not yet been done. Yeah, and all all this time spent speaking about how much, oh, I hate Obama, oh, I hate Obamacare, oh, I hate this. Okay, what are you offering? Well, people just need to stop getting sick. That's that's what I'm getting. (laughs) That's honestly what I I get from that. You know, get less cancer. That's how you're going to beat Obamacare. I mean... It, but and it's 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 across the board. Again, this is not how you. This is not how, the way to run a railroad. This is not how things work. If, uh, if when Obama came, when he first got into office, and this was at the height of we were going into this big economic or coming through this big economic collapse. For me, it's always been well. What's your counter offer? He came with a jobs program, okay? And they said no, we don't want that jobs program. Okay, fine. You don't want his job program. Where is your jobs program? You know, that 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 will pay people a good living wage, where they'll be happy to work. Where was that job program? There isn't one. Okay, you don't like Obamacare. Again, fine. Where is your medical um, insurance program? Where is that? You know, you should be able to counter something. If you're going to decry something. You should at least say, well, I've got something better. And for the last couple of years since the, the, the Republicans have had control of the House, and the last couple of years since they've been vocal about their dislike of this president, they've never once offered a counter to whatever's been brought to the table. You know? Yeah. And a lot of them have actually said what I, what I thought when, um, when they first started this type of rhetoric is that they just despise them. As a person, not even as a professional, as a person, they just despise him. And I, I know I'm going to get a collective groan from all the people who 
are stuck on folks who say, well, you know, not everyone who uh, opposes Obama is racist. No, I don't, I don't think so. I just think, I don't think they like him as a person. <laughs> it may be for racial reasons. Yeah. But when you spend so much time speaking about how you personally hate him and how his wife dresses and, you know, how his dog is shitting on the White House carpet and so much arbitrary shit, why? Why are you exactly. focusing so much on that and not on offering something else to say, well, you know what, I don't like the way he's doing this. Here's how I would do it. Here's here's what I would offer. But no, it's, well, I don't like what you're doing. Okay, cool. Well, what? Yeah. Well, I, I just don't like it. I don't think you should be here. Matter of fact, I want you to lose your job um, because I don't like the way you're doing this. But you're not offering anything. Oh, well, you know, I don't care. Me and my friends say we don't like you, and you should lose your job, and you should go away. If you don't have something against somebody personal, why not offer a professional response to it and not childish nonsense? So you're not going to get exactly. me to believe that these folks don't have, that, that they're actually, that I think a lot of them are just social reprobates to begin with, but a lot of them are very myopic in their mindsets to where they don't want somebody of his caliber over them. And so that bothers them. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, education-wise, whether it's social status, what what have you, they don't like that. So they're going to undermine him, and no matter what he does, he could say this guy's blue, and they're going to say, no, it's not actually. It's every color, and then the, the, the specific um, light, the light gets refracted, and that blue is what you actually see, but it's, it's actually every color. So they're going to try and yeah. undermine <laughs> anything he says and does, and it's, it's always hilarious to watch. No, you you make a really good point, and while we, while I can happily say, I mean, you know, it's easily you can say, yes, I would, I would wager that the majority of dislike towards this president is racial in nature. I would make that argument, but, and to your point, and I agree with it, it's also... Uh, there, there, there is a small uh, the, a faction that doesn't like the president as a person, but it's based on it's a based on a, a, a hatred of intellectualism. You know, it's a, it, it's a hatred of intellectuals. It, it's like I, ever since I, I remember it during the 2008 election. I mean, when it was when when he was was to be elected, then Senator Obama made a statement about how people, uh, you know, react to certain things politically and there's a level of, 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 of fear and they cling to their guns and things like that. And they accuse him of being elitist. And they don't like him because he's an intellectual. You know, um, he, even on the left, and I, I think sometimes, you know, we, we always put it on the right wing and we always put it on Republicans, for being racist, but there is a lot of this not a stereotypical thing for a lot of white progressives where they're waiting for, you know, this this you know for for you know I voted for John Schaff, but I got you know Steve Urkel instead, which is utterly ridiculous. Like you know, they Barack Obama's an intellectual. You know, we may not agree on all of his politics, but you're not talking or listening or looking at a stupid person. He's very reasoned in a lot of his approaches and that's how he's going to come across and he comes across that way to a lot of people and yeah to somebody who's not when you when you weigh him against a Sarah Palin when you weigh him against a Ted Cruz when you weigh him against a lot of these folks 
who are not very well educated, you know, even though they have their, their, their political office and everything like that, when you put them against these people who aren't that well educated, yeah, they're not going to like him, you know, because his intellect is unflappable. You're going to say something to him, and he'll, he'll come back to you. It's like talking to Spock. He's going to come back with the most logical response he can come out with. And they don't like him because of that. He's not, you're not going to break him to make him have an outburst. You know, he's going to say what he's going to say. He's going to turn around and walk off the podium. Whatever else he has to say, he'll say in the privacy of his office. And I, I think that's genuinely why they, why they don't like the guy. And I think you're right. And I can actually attest to something like that because when I started to actually open my mind and try and learn, help new words, new concepts, when I started studying feminism, when I, especially when I started studying feminism, I got some of the most just horribly, uh, I, I can't even really, do, I don't have a word for it right now, <laughs> some of the most yeah. ignorant comments that you could ever imagine from folks telling me that I shouldn't be trying to act smart, that I'm, uh, some of them said, well, just because you can Google something doesn't mean you're intelligent. And uh, what was another one? It was a really good one. Uh, just because you can use big words doesn't mean anything. And the funniest <laughs> part was that when I explained to them, I'm not using, you know, quote-unquote big words to try and undermine you. I know what a logical fallacy is. If I just wanted to inundate yeah. you with a bunch of words, I would be committing a logical fallacy myself. And that was a real big one, too, when folks who had never heard of a logical fallacy and I introduced this to them, they don't like that because I'm teaching them something. No. And I'm, I'm, they perceive that as me holding over their head. It's like, no, I'm trying to get you on the same round. So we, we are reading from the same book, same playbook. So it's really telling. Yeah. And of course, you can guess who these folks are rooting for and who they're not rooting for. You, you, can, al you can already imagine that. So if I get yeah. that on my level, I can only imagine what some person like Chris Christie thinks about Obama and anything he does assess because he already knows that he's up against somebody who's much more educated than he is, much more poised, and he has a position, he has an image to uphold, so he's going to use whatever he can, no matter if it's legitimate or not. So, right. I, I really it, look at that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And again, you make a good point, because again, it's not an issue of, of, of you know, you made the point with you, you know, when you point out logical fallacies. The hardest part of an argument, you know, because people want you to give into emotions to, to see if you can give ground in whatever your argument is. If you listen to a lot, especially with the shutdown, if you listen to a lot of the rhetoric, at least on the, on, on the right, a lot of it was emotional. A lot of it was baseless. A lot of it was a lot of ad hominem attacks. But again, you know, in contrast, you know, to the president, yeah, I'll just say I won't negotiate. But at no point did he refer to them. And, you know, they're the end of the American, you know, the American public or, or the, they're the, you know, unconstitutional or they're committing treason. No, he argues the point at hand. Now, 
this, this is what's wrong with Obamacare. Well, hey, okay, that's not true. This is what, and even if you don't agree with Obamacare, if you don't agree with the Affordable Health Care Act, that's what he argued. You know, he never resorted, and you, you can see that. Again, you're talking about our levels, even on our levels, on a Facebook argument. People get infuriated if you don't give in to an ad hominem attack or a straw man argument or something. You go straight back to the point and you don't divert from it and you don't digress into something else, you will actually infuriate people because they want you to get off point. You know, because if you get far away enough from the point, they can make you look stupid or, or do something. The president just doesn't do that. That's just not who he is. So, yeah, you're right. They genuinely just don't like the guy. And it, yeah, a lot of it's because he's black, but the other, the other part of it is he's smart. So, you have, you know, and, and the worst part of it is the more he does something smart, the more they look dumb. Because if you just, if you watch video of him talking about the shutdown, in contrast to John Speaker Boehner or, or Mitch McConnell or Eric Cantor or Ted Cruz or Michelle Bachman, by default, he looks like the more intelligent of the two parties, which is, and the polls bear it out. The polls bear it out. If you look at the polls of the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, of course, people have low opinions of the president and Congress as a whole, but when you break it down further, the Republicans, of course, because they made themselves look what look that way. In contrast to somebody who's speaking rationally, of course. You know, it, it's it's very telling. But the folks yeah, in their ones are are hilarious to be. Mhm. Definitely. Uh, I, I don't want to be a dead horse on this because it is these folks, you know, at the end of the day, why why they're upset and what they can and cannot do and what they will and they won't do, and mm-hmm. it's it's sad that well, okay, the American people are the the um, bystanders in this, and they're just being kind yeah. of looked around. Okay, well, you we don't like this guy, so guess what? You all get to suffer for it. Congratulations. So. You know, that'll, that'll teach you to not convince your friends not to vote for us. You know, we're going to – that's actually duress. That, that, you're actually holding the entire nation under duress if – or holding them hostage, too, if you don't right. comply with what we want. Even though you people elected us to begin with, we're, you're not going to do what we say? So, okay, so we're going to punish you. You're going you're gonna to continue yeah. to vote for us or else. And I hope people yeah. see that. And think about that next time they vote, because that's going to change yeah. change the shape. And, and the Republican Party almost almost imploded a few months ago, if I'm not mistaken, because they were going after each other mm-hmm. back then. So this is yeah. going to put the nail on the coffin. Yeah, they actually were because of the other elections that were, they they were primaries. They're primaries, you know, long-standing. You know, uh, uh, long-standing Republican stalwarts lost their seats. You know, and to Tea Party, uh, to Tea Party upstarts. So yeah, I see that happening. Um, I think I'm looking forward to it because here's the thing: it's like you said, they're going to separate. Tea Party's going to separate from the Republican Party, and that's probably the best thing that could happen to the Republican Party. 
because now you'll have moderate people. And like I said before earlier in the conversation, um, we're, we're going to see the end of the wedge issue. I do think that there are folks on the right that don't really give a shit about a woman's choice when it comes to her, you know, her own body. Or they don't really give a shit about if gay people want to get married or affirmative action or all those things. They don't care. They only want to keep the government going, and they only want to make sure everybody's working or they want some kind of fiscal responsibility or they want to make sure the government runs efficiently. I'm cool with that. You can make an argument. I mean, I, I'm probably going to be a diehard liberal for the rest of my life, but I'm okay with a person that's coming along. Um, I would like a, 19, uh, a 1999-2000 John McCain Republican, you know, where, yeah, they have their conservative values and they have their Republican values, but at the end of the day, they do know how to work with somebody across the aisle and across from another political party to, to compromise and make things work for the American people as a whole. Um, I, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the Republican Party splintering because if they do and you're left with the Tea Party, um, it's not going to be that hard to make sure that they go the way of the Whig Party. You know, it's not going to be that hard. Nobody, I don't think you're going to find that many people, or at least the amount of people that want uh, ultra-Christian, mostly white, mostly uh, uh, rich uh, political party, they are dwindling very fast in this country. So I, I don't think if the Republican Party breaks from the Tea Party, I don't think the Tea Party will last that long, personally. And, you know, I tried to consider the Tea Party as a viable movement within the uh, Republican Party as somebody as, or, or a group of people who just want lower taxes and, you know, they want the kind of the, the core um, concepts of, you know, conservatism, even though I'm, I'm strictly opposed to their, a lot of their concepts. But I, I understand <laughs> them. But they too often cater to some of the most racist and ignorant people I've ever seen in my life. And then every time one yeah. of them pops up, oh, you know, he just showed up, you know, that's my, that's my retarded cousin, you know, we, we, just, we just let him stay here, you know, make him feel like he's part of the team. That's how they treat it every time because they didn't expect people to notice, like, yo, these folks are up front. They're not like they were hiding. They, they weren't. Uh, they they didn't just come out of nowhere and say, "Hey, we're staying here. You guys can't make us leave." No, they want. That's what. That's what this party attracts. And if yeah, you got if you uh, when Obama was uh, running and campaigning, if you had Sharpton to come up there and start his anti-white, you know, anti-establishment and all his craziness, then. Well, <laughs> What you know? What are people going to think? That is what you know the movement is about. So you, what is that saying? My mother had an adage. Um, oh, you uh, you sleep with dogs, you get fleas. I think that was a saying. Yeah, uh, a quite older saying. It's true. You sleep with dogs, you get yeah. fleas. So if you're not monitoring yeah. who that's this, you know, what do you expect people to think? I'm listening to yeah. you know Tea Party favors like Santorum, and he's repeating the same thing the crazies are saying. You know, somebody mentioned mm-hmm. welfare. Oh, I'm going to stop the blacks from taking all your money. You're going to get them to work. You're not going to get them welfare. You know, and I, I even made a video on that. And there's people still trying to make excuses for, like, you listen to the whole thing. The lady asked to do the question. And the first thing that came out of his mouth was, we're going to stop black people from taking your money. 
the first thing he said, she didn't mention anything about black people. She asked about welfare reform in general. Exactly. You're not going to sit there and tell me that they're not holding these native racial stereotypes when I keep seeing that. You know, I'm sorry that there are people in this world that do that, but I'm not going to let an entire party of people uh, disrespect my family, especially my family that has a long lineage of serving this country, a long lineage. You know, yeah. so it's I, I'll be doing a disservice to myself supporting people like that, a big disservice. My ancestors are rolling in their graves for me to, you know, to support people yeah. like that. So, and I try to express that as best I can to people because there is also this very this different perspectives of people's lives mm-hmm. and people come from different walks of life. And that is a, definitely a struggle to understand and not to project too much of here's what I think, here's where I come from, and here's what is right because I come from this, because I am that. That happens all too right. often. I see that mistake on the other side of the token. So I have to uh, tailor my message to here's how I see it from my side, and hopefully they will reciprocate and say here's how I see from my side. And then somewhere in the right. middle we can avoid this impasse and actually get to somewhere we both want to be, or damn near close. So there's none exactly. of that I mean, that happens. Right. I mean, there, there, you can't. And, and this is the biggest problem because you know when they lost the um, when they lost the house and when they lost the, you know, when they lost the 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 presidential election, everybody's like, well, maybe this time the Republican Party will take a step back and look at themselves and it's a rebuilding moment. When 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 Romney lost, you know, well, we're going to get back and we're going to rebuild and we're going to take a good long look at ourselves. But then two weeks later, they were right back to business. They get rinsed by this in as the RNC chairman and again the Tea Party uh, 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 can you know politicians come forward and they're right back to the the you know scapegoating the poor or or you know scapegoating minorities or immigrants or whatever you know they're doing that and you're right as a I mean I don't care what their argument is they could they could come up with a, a, a way or a means for everybody to get good jobs and insurance and you know make manna fall from the skies. They could do all of those things, but as long as you're disrespecting people along the lines of, uh, you know, ethnic lines or, or gender lines or sexuality lines or, or you know, class lines, because, yeah, there is class warfare in America. It does exist. I mean, as long as you're doing that and you seem unapologetic about it, um, you, it doesn't matter what you – you're not attracting the flies. You're trying to attract flies with vinegar. At this point, and that's that's this Republican Party. This, whatever the argument was, let's just say for the sake of argument that this shutdown was their attempt to get America back on track. It's the execution that was bad, you know. And nobody wants to listen to you when you got me furloughed. What you think? Only Democratic people got furloughed for when the, the government shut down. What you think? Only you know liberals. And, and black people or liberals and welfare moms were the only people that were affected by not being able to get SNAP or WIC or whatever. You just gave away people that might just listen to you and, and, and become part of your your cause, you know. So 
you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how they even define that. That They're shooting themselves in the foot as far as I can see. Well, you see what their strategy was, right? I'd love to know what it was, honestly. Hmm. Oh, sorry, I'm eating shrimp, uh, linguine from uh, Red Lobster. I didn't get a chance to eat it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Spot on, exactly. And I mentioned it earlier when they were using the big lie, a uh, logical fallacy. You keep repeating this lie and as, uh, repeating it as a slogan and pretending it's true. And the lie was, we were trying to compromise the Democrats, but they would not uh, comply with us. So the government ended up being shut down. It, was, it wasn't reality. It wasn't, uh, you know, hey, we were obstinate and we wanted this to happen because we didn't get our way. That's what it should have been. Mm-hmm. But they constantly right. shifted the blame because, hey, the beanies on the playground wouldn't give us what we wanted since we didn't want to play, uh, we didn't want to play ball and we wanted to play, uh, we didn't want to play basketball, we wanted to play soccer. So uh, we took all the balls and went home. And so they turned around and said, yeah. well, those meanies wouldn't play our game, so we had to leave. <laughs> and so right. they didn't make themselves a victim uh, in this whole fiasco and assumed that everyone was going to believe that. But it didn't turn out that way. So that was their, that, that was definitely their, uh, their technique and their strategy. It didn't work, though. did not work because oh, no. people ended up getting fired, laid off. Some people just quit amidst the, uh, the confusion because I know people can't imagine why grown men and women can't get along and do their freaking job. So it, it's the game of attrition, and they're going to lose in the end. Yeah. Yeah, and, and all of them across the board, again, too, I, I would hope, are, are taking notes on this because nobody like the second. I don't Democrat or Republican. I don't think any American, uh, any American was fond of the fact that you know while we are here trying to figure out what the next step is, you guys are there, not negotiating each other, but still going to walk out the door with a paycheck and health insurance. The two things that we as American people aren't sure we're going to get. You know, you guys had that guaranteed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I do think that, that again, they, they are seeing that. And in the, the war of attrition, it, 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 it did not work. But I don't, think it, I don't think it worked for either party either. Um, I was telling Kim earlier, I think, I think you're going to see a lot less bullshit at the podium come election time. Um, this, this may have been a wake-up call where everybody goes, well, don't just go for the okie doke when they're giving you their, you know, their stump speeches. You know, you know, look past all the hyperbole and start asking legitimate questions because that was, that's what's going to prevent another shutdown. That's what's going to prevent another uh, standstill as we saw it. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I'm I'm really more interested in how. Um, and how they try to play out the next few weeks, and if they continue playing this victim card, and, and how Democrats are going to respond to it. Are they going to try and offer some kind of piecemeal, or going, are they going to say, hey, let's try and work together to stop this nonsense because people are getting pissed, <laughs> and we're going to get lynched once we, go, once we all go back to our districts, 
you know, what's what's going to happen? How are they going to play this out? Are they just going to try and beat each other's throats and be, you know, childish or, or what? But it's going to you know, definitely be in the history books. Uh, I can tell you that. Oh, definitely. Uh, but, I, you know, honestly speaking, and I'm, I'm speaking as, uh, you know, I talk as a Democrat too, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm aggressive and I look at myself and I consider myself as aggressive. Um, honestly, I can't say that the, the you know, the, the Democratic Party or at least the leadership because you do have progressive Democrat members. Um, but I, the leadership, I don't think they're going to become more vocal. I mean, honestly, there's nothing about Harry Reid that, that, that to me invokes that, that evokes a, a sense that he's going to get in front of something and, 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 and say things the way they are and demand, you know, some kind of change or demand some kind of... I don't think he's going to try to do anything authoritative. There's just nothing about him that evokes that. Um, and, and with Nancy Pelosi, she's so much of a political player, um, it doesn't seem that anything that she does doesn't have some form of ulterior political motive. And I, I think those two those two things kind of shoot them in the foot. Um Honestly, I don't think people are looking to them for leadership. Uh, I think they're looking more to, again, I say, I'll say the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And uh, those guys aren't, those are the guys I think are the only straight shooters that will, that happily put this into perspective. If you follow what they were saying for most of the shutdown, they were putting most of this into perspective, what we need to do, what we should have done, what would have been more acceptable, and they never really wavered. But I know that the Republicans are going to play the victim card. They're going to play it all the way until the beginning of the new election cycle next year, starting in 2014. And the Democrats, they're going to be wishy-washy. They're going to give too much ground, I think. They're going to give too much ground in this discussion. And by the time uh, they're going to to give the Republicans – too much ability to, 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 again, control the argument or control the discussion or, or control the narrative. They'll come with a victimized clause, and they'll probably, get enough from, they'll probably get enough people on their side to make this more of a fight than it should be. Yeah, that, that's one issue that I've had that I, I feel that I really despise about Democrats is that I typically describe them as spineless. You, when they had control, yeah. they did not act. You had control. You had the ability to say, here we are, we're going to set the stage, we're going to work with Republicans, we're not just going to do the same things that they do that we get mad at them for, and just dominate everything. So I can get down. Thank you. So they could have, they could have played themselves up as uh, the big boys and said, here is a standard for which all need to emulate, and they did not. They missed that opportunity. They just kind of stuck in their corner and said, well, we're going to do this, and they can decide if they want to stop us or not, and we may or may not you know, say anything about it. So trying to paint them in a positive light becomes a bit difficult when like you said, they are wishy-washy. They they don't have the um, the boisterous nature of the president. They don't have 
any of the of, of the gall that he has or any of the charisma. So maybe they need a better mouthpiece. Maybe they need some lessons in public speaking or some, I don't know. But you need some people with an idea in mind, a goal to strive to, and right. which should include, hey, we're going to work with everybody. We're not going to just purposely right. include these folks because they're sitting on that side of the aisle. Because once you start doing that, yeah. then, well, I've already extended you the olive branch. You, if you reject it, then I'm going to try again. I'm, I'm still, mm-hmm. If I move forward without you, it's going to be because you chose not to move with, not because I didn't offer it to you. So you can only yeah. do that so many times when people start recognizing they're not interested in helping everyone. They're not interested in working with anyone. They're interested in trying Ooh. to be uh, alone. They're trying to be, you know, just introverts. They're trying to, you know, uh, paint themselves as a renegade or something. So you get a real good image of people's inner qualities and their characteristics. So no matter what they say, you have a history of how they have conducted themselves over this period of time. Right, right, definitely. Um, and, and and here's the thing: uh, you can't, you cannot. One thing I I, I know, and I, I'll consider, and I'll say, you know, you got to tip your hat to the Republican Party and the right wing is, is that listen, they whatever their narrative is, and probably up until recently, you know, everybody told the line, and they knew what their narrative was, regardless of what it was. It, it, regardless of how offensive we think it was, that was what they, that's their story, and they're sticking to it. And we're going to dance with the ones that brung us. And unfortunately, in the, in the Democratic Party, there just hasn't been that cohesive, um, um, you know, that cohesive mentality like, listen, We'll have that. We're going to have those disagreements. We're going to have those arguments. But guess what? We're not going to argue in front of you. And that's what. The, and for the most part, up until recently, up until this shutdown, up until you know the Tea Party gained prominence, this this was how the Republican Party was. I mean, you know, say what you will, George Bush and those guys, they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what they wanted, and they shored up their base behind them. Um. Democratic Party just doesn't do that. This is why we're in this shutdown. This is why the, the Republican Party gained so much ground because they didn't show it should have been an active in in your face thing like listen, here and no further. We're either gonna talk this out or hey man, we'll see you when we see you. And they never wavered once. But again, you made the point they are wishy washy. They are indecisive. They are spineless. There are times when you can have reasoned and 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 you know logical discussions, but there's some other times when you just got to say what it is and what you won't compromise. We can compromise a lot of things, but there are other things that listen. We're not going to have a discussion about abortion. I'm sorry, that's the law. You want to have a discussion? Talk about it somewhere else. Or we're not going to have a discussion about affirmative action. It's necessary. So if you want to talk about it, take it to another venue. But here we're talking about this, jobs, the economy, and whatever have you. And I just don't see that, man. I just don't see, 
and they're not going to organize the base. I just don't see Harry Reid or Nancy Pelosi reaching out to the more progressive uh, uh, parts of the Democratic Party. Folks like us, you know, that that are for some form of progressive thing, that, they're not reaching out to us. So we're, the, the Democratic Party isn't splintered in that respect. You have the political players, and then you have folks that want to see certain things like single-payer health care and, 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 you know, less defense spending, more uh, education spending, things like that. They're not reaching out to those folks. So I don't see, I would hope there's a change, but not with the, not with the leadership that we have in the Democratic Party, I don't think. Yeah, it's, it's going to be rough uh, trying to actually set that in stone because now you have the 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 no no the no no zones you know the absolutes that you know your party must go along but we're seeing the republicans doing that now as far as obamacare which their only goal is just to stop uh just to, to stop it altogether not you know reinstate anything that might be substantial to help people but it just, just to stop that and thwart Obama. That, as, as few of them actually said, my goal here is just to stop Obama. That's it. That, that is their entire mission for the next, what, uh, less than a year he has left in office. So, yeah, really, that, I, I, I'm not sure if, if, you know, just saying everything is, is off the table because you'd have to say, well, I'm going to budge on something. But in reality, yeah, it, we're not budget. Just open the door and say, "Here, let's talk about. It. Let's see why you feel this way uh, on the on the on the grand scheme." But on our ulterior motive is going to be just to see where you're coming from and to expose why you're you have this this mindset that you know such and such needs again, like. Uh, you know, why are you trying to stop abortion? Well, you know, hey, my religion says, oh, okay, so you're using your religious beliefs now to impose it upon everyone, no matter if they have those religious beliefs or not. Okay, you know, let's let's ask the voters if they like uh, the idea of one person going on a diet and it, or you know, having an entire nation go on a diet as well, you know, regardless if they want to go on a diet or not. You know, this is your exactly. choice, your belief, not anything that really affects you and you're trying to impose this upon a certain segment, females, of the entire nation. You know, no matter what they think, no matter what their spouse or their, you know, mate thinks, you're doing that based on that, on that aspect, for real. So I would open up that doorway to let them kick themselves in the ass them and to, to put them in that position to shine that spotlight on them so that they say that because you and I and a lot of other people already know that's what it's about is imposing their religious beliefs just like they're doing now trying to fulfill the entire prophecy uh, like trying to destroy an entire nation so their magical uh, hippie guy comes out of the sky that's what they're trying to do mm-hmm. so since we now have a great influx and people who are align themselves non-religious or nons as, you know, they're commonly referred to as, we need to show everybody that here is a people, here are a group of people that we have elected, 
and here's what they want to do. Here's what they want to uh, place upon everybody, whether they whether it's just right. or not. So mm-hmm. I think that it will be a, a stark realization for a lot of people as to how crazy a lot of these people are. So that's the oh, way, yeah. uh, you know, I approach that. But I, I think we're running up on like two minutes here, so we've got to actually close down the show and say our, our yeah. last hurrahs. <laughs> okay, man. Hey, man, always a pleasure to talk with you, man. Oh, play this mine. All right, man. So we're going to hook up and talk again soon, folks. You guys have a safe evening. Thanks again for joining the show. Talk to you again soon. Let's see you around. All right.